0: Hey, I'm Kyla, welcome to my channel, where I talk about the stock market and the economy, uh, amongst other things. This is actually, this is going to be a podcast episode, so let's appreciate. uh, This is what NFTs are in the age of online ownership and owning the online space. So enjoy this second, third-ish podcast. Episode, I do dumb stuff. My words are like kung fu and I'm coming with numb I excel for my dreams, my ideas get a thumbs up. They all of my business. First on a hit list, I ain't come So today I am going to be talking through a piece that I wrote called Owning the Online. And my channel kinda of started out as something that was really focused on Weekly market updates was really focused on the Federal Reserve and recently has taken more of a tilt towards crypto. So sorry for that like random uh, detour, but I just find this space so fascinating. And of course, there's applications to modern finance um, or traditional finance that we can use in this lens of crypto. So I think it's just like a really good thought exercise to go through. this piece is a little bit philosophical because i've been feeling a little bit philosophical lately Uh, so i i am pulling from some of the great thinkers uh, of our time including elon musk last week i really was talking about signal as a service and i wanted to build on top of that because i was like okay this thesis is probably not complete like there's probably a lot more that could be said about this space so this piece is kind of like a build on on top of that and the whole concept is that, with the previous piece, is that we want to signal wealth, we want to signal that we're expensive, we want to signal that we're somebody cool, and the way that we do that is through acquiring different goods. In this case, it was NFTs. NFTs are a signal to the broad world that, hey, I'm a cool person, and you should like me. So, <laughs> um, that, that was kind of the, the main thesis of that piece, and the main thesis of this piece is that we are beginning to own the online. So the the ownership economy, but more so through the lens of, we are truly, truly trying to understand what it means to own stuff. Because it's not something that we've ever really done um so this is kind of how the, uh, this piece is going to proceed if you want to hit subscribe below that would be a virtual high five in the metaverse and as elon Musk tweeted he said the most entertaining outcome is the most likely as we think through everything do realize that the most entertaining outcome is the most likely if something's funny it's probably going that's probably like 95 percent of the reason why it's doing what it's doing and in in, especially in crypto space so i would just keep that in the back of your mind we proceed so yeah i want to talk about nfts i want to talk about what they are what they're doing why they're doing what they do and a lot more beyond that so the rock not dwayne the rock johnson but rather the rock the ether rock and the vortex of technology so people are buying pictures of rocks a couple of rocks have sold for multi-million dollars which is super fun um and like so there's a tulip nft project which is actually pretty cool um the founder of it is like a really neat person she's really thinking about strategically like what it means to like have an nft project in terms of scavenger hunt but i would say other nft projects are not as serendipitous as not as not as giving as she is so yeah there's a lot of different nft projects going on and one of my favorite poems by Edgar Allan Poe, one of my favorite stories by Edgar Allan Poe, is a descent into the Maelstrom. This is a brief summary, sorry if I said that wrong. But in the story, three brothers are fishing on the ocean and a vortex appears, and the three brothers are trapped. They spiral literally and figuratively. One brother goes crazy because he's like, whoa, I'm in this vortex, I don't know what's going on. The other brother dies because of the water from the vortex. Um, and then the main character is still in the boat, and He's like. and Whoa, I'm ready to give up. Like, this freaking sucks. I hate everything. But he begins to study the vortex and he sees all these gaps and these patterns in the vortex. And by studying the vortex, by centering this like calamity around him, he's able to escape. And so he's safe. He's above the sea. He's good. Everything's cool for brother. And this is, of course, a metaphor for how we treat technology in our day to day lives. Uh, We can either get really lost in the concept of technology, like, let it take over our brains. We can let it physically destroy us, um, and we're all, you know, stuck in this vortex. And it isn't until you begin to study the patterns of how technology impacts your day to day that you're able to escape. And it's getting increasingly hard because as we approach this idea of the metaverse, right? So, like this metaverse, so many things like it's. It's- it's- it's so many things. Like, basically think of your entire life, but on the internet. So, like, interacting with people on the internet. Like, being in a digital coffee shop on the internet. Metaverse is this promise- promise of the convergence of physical reality and the internet. The next iteration of our future. It's basically us becoming this vortex. It's inescapable. And that sounds, like, really overwhelming when I say it like that. When I first wrote it down, I was like, gross. (laughs) Um, but it's, like, not necessarily a bad thing. Because like this has been the case for a long time. We have become the vortex for a long time. We have been the vortex for a long time. You know, my cell phone is literally always in my hand or like always within three feet of my person. My laptop is currently in my lap, which is cool. Um, very fitting, term there. But the important thing here is as much as we create our tools, the tools create us in turn. So now as we digitize every aspect of our lives, It makes sense. We are slowly really encompassing ourselves into the metaverse and slowly becoming this vortex if we haven't already. But there's still an element of froth to this stuff that's like, oh my god, dude, what are we vortexing into? Like, like, where are we going? Who's that? What the heck? And so, like with NFTs, for example, everybody, a lot of people are like, personally me, I wouldn't buy a rock for 1.3 million, but other people are like, I would. And so the big question is, what's going on? Uh, Short answer, crypto funds are buying some stuff up. Um, Crypto millionaires have been minted beyond belief, like there's a lot of really, really rich people. And brands, of course, are having a blast just like experiencing this stuff, just like, we do with our money. It's like kind of a new playground of finance that they get to like experience and build with and and try out different things. There's always a little bit of laundering. Everybody always says that whenever I talk about NFTs. It's like, oh, money laundering. It's like, okay, all right. Traditional finance is just as bad. Like, let's be real, come on, come on. Uh, So so yes, that's probably happening as well. Like, sure. There's something bigger than that. <laughs> so, okay, so that was the short answer, and then the long answer is going to be the rest of this podcast. So, what are NFTs? NFTs are non-fungible tokens that are essentially a digital fingerprint on the blockchain on a smart contract platform, most commonly Ethereum, and it can be anything from real estate to art to a football game ticket. And as Linda writes, NFTs are just digital abstractions used to represent assets that are one of a kind. And so when you think of fungibility you think of something that's you can't like duplicate it like you can't duplicate the mona lisa and be like yeah but you can duplicate your usd by getting more usd right like it's it's that unit of exchange and so then the question of course becomes like what does an nft do and so there's action items right so you can own an nft you can trade your nft you can borrow your borrow for an nft you can borrow in terms of nft you can lend in terms of nft you can fractionalize your nft you can also collateralize your NFT, which is like, oh, okay, 2008, baby. <laughs> let's get it, let's get into it. And then there's also structure. So, NFTs can't be broken into little pieces like USD. Like There's not quarters of the dollar of NFTs, and they can't be equally exchanged for something else. They're immutable, so a unique digital copy of something that is uniquely yours, which is pretty cool. So location-wise, they exist on platforms like OpenSea, Rarible, and Marketplace, Maker's Place. I always say that. I always call it Marker's Place. (laughs) It's like my brain says market, and then my brain is also like, but that's Mark. And then it's like, oh, but actually it's make, and so everything just gets like, bottled into one big word we love that so where do these nfts go Sorry has a great nft stack that does a much better job explaining how these nfts operate than i could ever so you got your nft stack so you have your front end your interface um and then you have your aggregators and you have financialization secondary applications um storage verticals and applications layer two and then layer one so i kind of went backwards but that's i mean there's a ton that go into nfts right like this is not something simple like this is not just a sticky note that's inside of the walls of the internet like there's a lot of ownership and digitalization that comes along with it NFTs and this happens through metadata so NFTs are tracked by metadata which provides descriptive information for a specific token ID so usually the date type of ticket name etc and they this exists either on chain in the same Uh, smart contract that the token exists in versus off-chain. On-chain is good because then the project can be updated alongside the token uh, and then the logic remains consistent across the board. But there is a storage issue so the metadata sometimes has to go off-chain, whether that be through a centralized server or on an interplanetary file system, which is like pretty cool. When I first read that, I was like, ah. (laughs) So that's how aliens file their cabinets. And then the big question is, okay, but what are they Kyla? You're just blabbering, what are you saying? So some examples of NFTs would be like sneakers, writing, domain names. So I own Kyla.eep, if you wanna slide me an NFT. Just kidding, don't do that, don't, don't. That was just a joke. So art is the most common case at the moment. So this is what most people know NFTs for, at least in the mainstream, JPEGs of art that are JPEGs of art. The NFT of that $1.3 million rock is a token that represents a verifiable ownership of that rock. That picture, not necessarily the picture of the rock, but more so like a pointer to the rock. So NFTs are a pointer. They're now a the verb. Secured on the Ethereum blockchain usually. So, okay. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Listen to me here. Uh, so art is the most common use case for Um, NFTs is how we think of them, sort of in the mainstream. JPEGs of art, the NFT of the rock, it is a token that represents verifiable ownership of that rock, secured on the Ethereum blockchain usually, for for example. And also like as a cool add-on, you can hang your rock or your art, whatever it ends up being in the halls of the metaverse. So as we go into our own vortex, you can hang your art inside your vortex. So that's a pretty cool perk. And yeah, of course, you can download the JPEG, like, I could, I downloaded the JPEG of that rock, and I was like, yeah, millionaire, millionaire status. But you can also take the picture of the Mona Lisa, so you could, same argument, right, like, oh my god, I own the Mona Lisa, everybody, look. Verified ownership, so, you know, you could go up to a pawn shop guy and be like, yo, got the Mona Lisa right here for you. But he's able to, they're able to verify and be like, no, you don't. And same thing with JPEGs. Anyway, same thing with NFTs, um, which are often JPEGs in the NFT art space. With gaming, this is really where the NFT world all began. So in-game items are very popular, whether that be skins or cards. These NFTs can unlock in-game play and serve for functionality in these in-game economies. Axie Infinity is a really great example here. Discovering and collecting and trading is really what humans love to do. and. Games like Axie make that available to us, and a lot of people are actually like making full-time money in the Philippines off Axie, which is like pretty cool if you think about it. And for a web two example, for our people who are still web two people, you know who you are. Fortnite made 2.8 billion dollars selling costumes in 2018, so there's a lot of room to the upside for this stuff. Like Fortnite, literally just sold skins for their players, and it was a 2.8 billion dollar market. NFTs have a lot of room to grow. So social tokens, I talk a lot about the creator economy because I'm a creator. And social tokens kind of flip that concept on its head. So when you think of the creator economy, you think of this like a creator economy. So like tools that support creators, creators that are doing creating, um, and then like sort of the interface of the audience, which should be like you all. But this flips it on its head, so rather it's the economy of the creator. So I would have a token that I'd issue to all of you, and you'd buy it because you're, you're like, Kyla's literally the coolest ever, and I'm going to invest in her token because she's so cool. Uh, and then we would have sort of like that interface, that exchange. I can tokenize my time, and I can engage, and you have access to me, I have access to you, and that. You can also like have NFTs of my content, so NFTs of my tweets, NFTs of my TikToks. And that would be another way that I would create an economy around myself as a creator. And tickets and access. So event tickets are like an OG NFT, (laughs) uh, which is kind of funny. So like it's immutable, right? Like it's only you, you have access, it's your ticket, you get in and you get out. And this is expected to be a $68 billion market by 2025, which is a pretty good TAM, as those in the industry say, a total addressable market. I said earlier, NFTs are a noun, not a verb, they point to the asset, they're not the asset themselves. So when I, when people are like, oh, I can just like download this rocket and do it this way, like, nah, not really. Can buy and sell them just like any other property, yes, but you can't just like copy paste them because of the ownership and the verifiability behind it. And humans love property. So we have all this stuff, right? Like we have art, games, creators, tickets, But we don't really like own that right now the tldr of this entire thing is that we've been online for a super long time but we've never like really owned our online space and so this is the path towards owning the online the platforms have always been in charge tiktok youtube um instagram facebook twitter all of them have always sort of been in charge of this distribution of information and nfts and this like web 3 economy are sort of getting in one extent getting rid of the platforms like reducing that power this balance and becoming the world in which we own the online nice so some fast facts about nfts NFTs are spreading off for many many reasons one of the reasons being that we own online because our online is increasingly becoming standardized so there's a standardization across the board and standardizations the get network effects. So things get more efficient, you're able to do more things if things are standardized. Like it's a lot easier for me to go like buy um, buy meat at the market because they use the same the slicer. They, they know exactly how much um, each thing weighs and they know that they can price it based on how much it weighs. And so they have that economy in place for buying a meat. The thing with NFTs, there's now some, some point of an economy in place for at least the transactional aspect of the valuation aspect is still a little a little spicy <laughs> i would say but it's um something that's happening in terms of i'm just gonna throw some numbers out i don't even know if are right anymore um users depends on when i post this users have 2x from uh, users have doubled volume is in the hundreds of millions uh, monthly sales have five times themselves and comps so like the, i gave you a few comps earlier but the traditional art market is valued at seven 1.7 trillion dollars And so there's a ton of room here, right? Like there's a ton of room for these little non-fungibles to run. Like they got they got some upside. They got some upside. So but the main question, right? Like the question that everybody wants to know the answer to is why did this rock sell for $1.3 million? Like what's going on? Who does it think it is? Um, this gets into the message. So like what do these NFTs really mean? And I'm gonna throw some philosophy into this, because that's where I've been lately. Marshall McLuhan has, of course, like, he's great, he's so brilliant, he's super brilliant, and he has this quote about pervasiveness, so this is pervasiveness, pervasiveness, with pervasiveness, tools, and medium. So for pervasiveness, Marshall said, we don't know who discovered water, but we know it wasn't a fish. A pervasive environment, a pervasive medium, is always beyond perception. So quick summary, we don't know what's going on because we live in it. (laughs) We can't really parse out what's happening because we're around it all the time. So with NFTs, application, so with NFTs, um, we can't really parse out what's going on because our worldview is a little bit skewed. It's a little bit tight. It's a little bit um, centralized, one would say. Can't really figure out what's going on because it's new, it's different. We don't have the tools, the resources. And this gets to the next point that Marshall makes. He says that we make the tools, but the tools make us as well. We make our tools, but the tools make us, and this gets into Edgar's poem about uh, the vortex. So application, right? So like, what does it mean that the tools are making us? Finance is a culture. and We are increasingly defined by what we're making, and we're becoming the vortex. We're becoming that thing. We're becoming that woof, 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 up in the sky. And with the medium, Marshall's most, Marshall, my friend, Marshall, is most well known for the medium is the message. So summary, it's not always about the thing, sometimes it's how the thing is thingin. So application, this is what NFTs, cryptos, financialization all mean. It's not really about rocks getting NFTed. it's about the process of the rock getting nft and what the NFTation means for the future. So it's really not, like these JPEGs are probably going to be transient. They'll be good assets to invest in, but this is more so about like what it means to NFT. <laughs> What does it mean to be cool? What does it mean to be rad? What does it mean to NFT? Then you might say, oh Kyla, brands are involved. Um, and I think this is super interesting because all of us are getting lost in this rock sauce, myself included, obviously. There's euphoria happening, sure, and brands are definitely like capitalizing on that because that's what brands do best. Um, for a myriad of reasons, this sort of like euphorcation is happening one of the reasons that a lot of people in crypto are super rich and the second reason is that brands are seeing something that they can advertise with. Um, so Budweiser bought Beer.eth, Visa bought a CryptoPunk, and it kind of reminds me of SPACs because hedge funds will get into various SPACs and like pipe them or whatever just so they can have exposure because they're like, okay, but, and this gets into VC too, mm, okay. So like people will just make a bunch of different bets and be like, maybe it'll work out. It's kind of what brands are doing with NFTs I think. So. Visas like you know spend 150k on a CryptoPunk, that's like less than one less than half a percent, I think, of their total revenue, less than half of a half of a percent of their total revenue. So it's not like not a bad thing that brands are getting involved. And last week I talked a little bit about how like legislation means that something is growing legitimate. And so you would think like, oh brands are getting into the space, that means it's getting legitimate, that means that you know things are moving forward. It just means it's more mainstreamy, which is cool, right? Like more and more people are learning about NFTs. But I like it does remind me of sort of like this spec space where brands are just like, maybe this is a good bet and maybe it's a good way to just get exposure. So I think and, and that can help like we get lost when we see that stuff. We're like, oh beer.eth, beer.eth, Budweiser's getting in on this? Oh my god, I should too. And then it creates FOMO, it creates that feedback loop. So everybody's like, so it's more about the message here, right? The message is fleeting, the medium is what matters. The medium, so the Metaverse NFTs, ETF product, for example, are going to have much more of an impact on the human experience versus like the content. Like beer.eth is not gonna change the world, right? Probably not, hopefully. But you might say to me like, oh, Kyla, like this rock could change the world. Like Leonardo's piece just sold for $450 million. Kyla, what are you talking about? This is super, super important. And like my answer to that, my rebuttal would be that yes, it is important that a rock sold but it's also important about like the nft process the nft platforms sort of these like people that are providing the picks to the people who are digging gold who are those in-betweeners right like those are the really important parts of this game that we're all playing nfts will still be valuable but the medium even more so and that's what's kind of hard to parse through because we get really lost in like these product ideas right but it's the medium. The medium is the message, as my friend Marshall would say. <laughs> and so this isn't about rocks. This is about Web3 tools being implemented as we build out our own little economies. And of course, we've been here before just in iterations. Uh, gaming has been doing NFT stuff for, for digital skins, characters, and game items. People buy this stuff so they can flex on, you know, their other people playing Fortnite or whatever. Um, and now gaming g- gaming has actually evolved in a really cool way. So gaming exists in an entirely different format than it did in, in sort of key like Metaverse space than it did uh, previously. So there's in-game versus up-game. So MetaVester, who is on Twitter, put together a really excellent graphic detailing the fact that video games are more than just a video game, right? It's for gamers and asset holders, which I thought was like a really cool way to think about how games have evolved. And examples here would be Axie Infinity, Olivia, Parallel, and Yield Guild bridging the gap between NFT holders and gamers in a mutually beneficial way. So when you look at this Venn diagram, it's people who want to play games and then owners of NFT assets and in the middle gamers with assets. So a lot of times games will just focus on gamers with assets, but if they can focus on like people who just want to like invest in the game, just be like, okay, i just want to throw money at this. Like, I don't want to play it, but I just want to like hang out about it, hang out with it versus like these people who do want to play games. If you're able to address like entire Diagram is super valuable. So like that's kind of how the future of gaming within the NFT space is going to progress then the question of course is like how does this stuff get its value? Meltem had a wonderful view on the bubbleness of it all Because the NFT space is bubbly like despite all that I'm saying like there's some us going on, and she pointed out that we have a lot of really rich people, like just a lot of them. Um, 1% of the US population is now a millionaire, and they're like, hey, I'm a millionaire, I'm gonna buy a punk. (laughs) Uh, I wanna flex, I wanna flex on everybody. And as Frank points out, uh, the truth is that human psyche is complex, and not all decisions are made to produce an optimal outcome. So, like, we're not always rationalizing for the highest return. Like, it's kind of funny in finance, they are like, oh, what's the risk reward trade-off? Like, you should always be paying attention to that, and you should always optimize for like the best situation there. But the thing is, like, we just don't do that a lot. Like, most of the time we're just like, eh, it'll be fun. Or, eh, I need to do it. <laughs> now Frank argues that we're making decisions based on our higher order needs. So, He outlines a couple, so values, which comes with conjunction of finance as a culture. We're buying things to express who we are as people. Um, I talked about this a little bit last week. This gets into the ownership economy too. So we're like buying stuff to be like, hey, I'm cool and I'm a part of this community. And that's what like this financialization of culture means. But the main thing is that we're making our values public and that comes with buying things that represent those values. Community, second point, we want friends. I want friends, you want friends, and Apple, Peloton, etc have all solved for that really well. 0 in 1 force is similar, so each NFT grants access to benefits, including participation in a collaborative role-playing game that takes players into the universe. I think I'm saying it wrong. So it's 0 in 1, I think it might be pronounced Oniverse, but I truly don't know, so apologies if I meant to pronounce that but it has 67 million in sales this past weekend, so I don't think they care too much about my pronunciation. The third point here is status. So this is what I focused on last week. We all want to feel special. Utility and scarcity are in play here, both somewhat a function of status, but you can access things with your NFT that nobody else can through this lens of utility and scarcity. Like you can get into the football game, you can get into whatever, um, and it's valuable because nobody else has it. And then um, adding my points on to his <laughs> uniqueness. So I think this is really important in terms of like the non-fungibility access um, aspect. And this is really prevalently seen in projects like CryptoPunks, Pudgy Penguins, where none of them are the same. And of course, like no two NFTs are the same. Like that's the whole premise of them. But I think these Pudgy Penguins, where you can like have different outfits on your penguin, really are like people are like that's pretty cool and I like it and then memes so 6529 also like just a funny aside a lot of people have crypto punks as their profile now and i cannot tell them apart i cannot tell these crypto punks apart like i have a couple in my dms and i'm just like i don't know who. like i'm i'm really having trouble Anyway, six five two nine brilliant thread on this concept of like myth-based finance and myth-based beliefs. So basically, that you know boils down into everything that's around us is just a function of our imagination. Like the economic system only exists because we believe in the three powers of government, and the three powers of government only believe because we ex- believe in a voting system, and the voting system only exists because we believe in you know the politicians that we elect. So it's like kind of that structure where everything is nothing is real, but everything is real. Which is, you gotta be careful with that stuff because you can disassociate really fast and it's not good. So every, and my like counterpoint to that really fast and really quickly is that everything is real, you exist. We're here. All of this might be quote unquote made up, but it matters. So just saying that like, in, I don't think 6529 was just writing it off, but it does matter, right? <laughs> and and that's sort of what gets into this next point. So. Collective belief does drive the value of assets, right? Like, so that drives stock prices, that drives um, car prices, that drives uh, home prices. Like, collective belief really does drive the value of assets. Um, And here, the argument with NFTs is that collective belief is driving, crypto really, is that collective belief is driving the value of everything. And so the most important word here is collective. Collective belief. Are beliefs rational? Do they need to be? Like, do you need to be rational? Do you? Are you rational? Why? Or most importantly, why not? Why not rationality? <laughs> During the Enlightenment, <laughs> thinkers brought three primary assumptions to every theory. Uh, every question has a single correct answer. Because of this, there is a clear methodology that you can use to get to an answer. And then three, when we look at this answer, we have a great picture of what the universe actually looks like because we know everything now. So we have sort of this framework that can get us to answer any question because we, we know exactly what's going on at all times. Um, but of course, enlightenment thinkers thought that they could just treat everything like a math problem. Like they could be like, hey, that girl doesn't like me. I need to solve two plus two to get four. And that's why she doesn't like me. But as we all know, that's like, it's so much more complex than that. Um, and so I think that this is what's happening with NFTs to an extent is we're trying to solve them, right? Like we're trying to say, oh, they should be rational because X, Y, and Z. Um, and we're trying to rationalize like why people do things, which is always a fail. It's like not good to do that um, because it's, you never like the answer. And there's sometimes never an answer. And I think that's like, we're trying to get to this capital A answer of why NFTs Ts and like why, what's going on? What's happening? And there might be a capital A answer to all of this, but the capital A answer is a bundle of a bunch of other stuff. Um, so, the short answer to this long answer is that rationality cannot be solved for. Crypto is this deviation from how we normally think about society, and as many people have written about before, like we're deviating from the individual, which is we've focused on the capital I individual for such a long time. That has been since the Industrial Revolution, we've only really cared about ourselves. We got away from that community, that collective living situation that we were all in, and we were like, okay, now it's just me. Like, I think a ton of adults live alone. You live alone for a long time. Like, we are just ourselves. We're all alone. Do you hear the siren? You're never alone. <laughs> the sirens. Story. And so crypto and other ways to think about finance is a culture and a representation of your community are becoming increasingly important. And so another story, another story. Uh, The Hedgehog and the Fox by Isaiah Berlin, another one of my fave philosophers, Monist versus pluralist. So the hedgehog is a monist. They see things from one point of view, they're like, this is the way, this is the only way, and this is the only way that I'm ever going to accept. And then the fox though is a pluralist, so the fox says actually no, like things can be a lot of different ways and this is why things are a lot of different ways. Um, And it doesn't even make sense to like try and squeeze humans into a framework because like they're really complex and confusing and weird. And so basically the hedgehog is like there's just one way to see the world whereas the fox says actually there's a lot of different ways to see the world um and because of that none of us are ever going to see things the same way like i'm not going to see things the same way that you are a hedgehog and hedgehog is like but you should you should see things the same way as me i think NFTs fall into this boat I think that we're shifting from this sort of hedgehog society into this very fox-like society where everyone is basically like, whoa, 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 whoa! I didn't know that we all got along. Now I didn't know that collective belief was so driven in the valley of communities. Too, um, I didn't know that we were vibing this hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> so people are like, what? What do you mean? What's a DAO? What do you What do you mean tokens? What do you mean? ownership What do you mean equity? Like it's, it's very confusing, right? Like it's new, it's different, it's weird. Um, and so that's kind of what's going on there is like people are trying to sift through this from this individualistic structure stru- stru- from this individualistic structure that we worked under so long into this more communal, this more pluralistic structure. And so then the new question becomes are we foxes? like are we foxy? <laughs> no And if so, can we ever fully align incentives? Do we understand equity structures and collective ownership? Is it more natural for us to operate as individuals, or is it human nature to move as a community? Like, oh my god, this is gonna sound crazy, so hang on with me. is, is crypto a return to what we always should have been? Ugh, I don't know, like, right? Like, like, how are we supposed to be this communal creature? I don't know, like, okay, so because, this is not written up in the newsletter, so this is a sneak peek for you listeners. Um, and I just want to touch on it really fast because when I was writing the piece, I tweeted out something about why is not- why is internet not a public good? Because my internet does not exist right now, and I was using my hotspot, and then AT&T was like, you don't have enough hotspot data, but I have unlimited data on my phone, and I was like, well, what's the difference? And I, the whole thing is like, they want me to buy internet. I think with that, like, when you- when I- so, so, the conversation that I'm having about crypto right now, it could seem very privileged. It is very privileged, right? Like, I'm sitting in my apartment, and just- I have the ability to like just chill and think and just blah 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 and to have people listen to me blah blah blah. Like that's literally the coolest thing ever. But I think there's so much that needs to be done in terms of accessibility for crypto, in terms of onboarding people, in terms of this wealth dispersion because it is getting increasingly crowded and in, in, whether it be communities or sort of like these top players, so I do think there's a lot of work that needs to be done and, and people recognize it but in this space to make it more equitable. And you really have to like bring yourself back home and be like, okay, so I can I can wax poetic on all this stuff, but at the end of the day, like, what does it actually mean? And I do think that it means like an element of this, we are going to be migrating into this web three, we are going to be migrating into this future of collective ownership and ownership economy, but we have to make sure that we bring more people along. Um, so just wanted to like flag that I'm super aware of the wealth dispersion. super aware that I'm chilling and talking about things that, you know, don't matter, like they literally don't matter to a lot of people and just wanted to recognize that, get it out there and say that I actively think about that and thinking of ways to solve that, so. Cool things coming soon. And so when we don't have the answer, getting back into the intersection of fiction and reality, when we don't have the answer, we often turn to science fiction. So, as a mob in uh, on the concept of change, it was a revolution that the rate of change became fast enough to see in a lifetime. Not only are things changing, but things will continue to change after they died. After we died, people died. Um, it's ridiculous to make plans now on the assumption that things will remain the same. Futurism has become an important part of thinking in everything. Things are moving so quickly that we literally can't parse through it. Like, I mean, this video probably will be obsolete. In like a month, <laughs> um, because things are just moving so quickly. The world is moving so quickly. And with NFTs, they're not just JPEGs, right? They, in this futuristic world where we own our online space, where we own what we do, it represents a lot more than that. The TLDR from the beginning, right, was that we've been online for a really long time, but we've never owned our online space. This is where we begin to do that, and the euphoria It's just a byproduct, right? It's just something that has to happen as we, like the market has to regulate itself. The market has to calibrate and euphoria, that major upside swing is going to be a huge part of that. It's an ecosystem. And just like the gold rush, it will be interesting to see who the winners are. Probably platforms and marketplaces, things that enable all this, not the dots themselves, but the things that connect them. Um, The winners are the parts in the middle, like I said earlier. they're often the most valuable. And I think another important point here is like, we think that we crave decentralization and that we we don't want other humans like interacting with us. Um, And that a node to node economy is sort of the answer to what we have. So like these decentralized nodes all over the place and interfacing in between that, like, that's like a whole other concept, but you know, the system is designed by humans. And I do think there's elements of human to crypto that I I think we're going to see a little bit more of, like, I think we're going to see more of a humanistic spin uh, to to this stuff, hopefully, Um, because we not, you know, humans are not only the backbones of what's happening, right, like, humans build crypto, but we also need them, like, we just, we just really need our fellow humans, I think, you know, coming out of, hopefully, the pandemic is over soon, the other side of that, that's just becoming increasingly apparent. And another important point, I don't think that this, like, irrationality, this, like, what the F is going on. It's just crypto, it's not, it's a um, traditional finance tool. Nothing makes sense. And it's okay, like, it's totally okay. It's totally okay. All in all, we have a lot of like really rich, really wealthy people. We have crypto funds that are just trying to like, get into the space that are exploring this decentralized, tokenized world. Money is an abstraction of value at the end of the day. And we want to own stuff, we want to build stuff. And so when I say abstraction no of value, we cannot just print more cash, like that's not the answer. And when I say money is an abstraction of value, I'm not saying that we can just go print more money to have more money because every additional dollar ruins the value of your dollar. Like you're gonna love having f- one pizza, right? Like you're like, yeah, pizza. But if you have five pizzas, you're like, whoa, <laughs> pizza value down. Um, so that's what I mean when I say money is an abstraction of value. Not that money can just be printed into eternity. Yeah, no. so NFTs are, like, everything, NFTs and their weirdness are, like, they're just trying to figure it out, which is cool. It's, like, cool to watch that. And there's still hurdles. Like, we don't fully you own know, the internet yet, which I'm parsing through still. Um, but we are iterating into a world where we kind of do. Like, we're working towards that, right? Where we're becoming the vortex. We're becoming this, like, online, swirly thing, and we're getting, and I don't know, if becoming the vortex is good or bad. Like I'm not gonna pass a value judgment on that. Uh, there's a giant bug in here. That's a big boy. I think it's been in here for a couple days now. I think it's a beetle. Um, yeah. So uh, that's also funny. Like, blah blah. Web three, and then you know, there's a giant beetle in my in my apartment. Web three, to the vortex can't save me now. <laughs> Uh, the physical. The metaverse wouldn't have this happen. Well I'm gonna finish this and hope that this guy stays over there. Uh, So we're we becoming the vortex, bugs are entering our apartments, and along the way we have to redefine what our frameworks are and values are in the light of this community, ownership, and, and finance as becoming an increasing part of our narrative. Like we just gotta figure ourselves back out. And that's why things seem weird, and that's what we're doing. And we're just owning the online which is cool. So thanks for hanging, thanks for chilling, thanks for the time. This was a long one, um, but it was really fun to write. I love philosophy so let me know what you all are thinking and how you're feeling about stuff um, in the comments. Love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out on Twitter too, TikTok, Instagram. I am very online. I am in the vortex. I am the vortex um i am hurricane kyla vortex kyla uh, but yeah feel free to reach out looking forward to hearing you and i will be back with some sort of weekly market update eventually um and yeah uh, yeah so if you want to subscribe below that would be super cool and it would be not only a virtual high five at this point but also a virtual fist bump so tokenize our friendship by hitting that subscribe button <laughs> Cool, all right, share with your friends if you liked it. And um, I'm also taking video requests, so feel free to um, reach out, let me know, and happy to work on that. Uh, Yeah, okay, cool. I'll see you very soon and bye.